Welcome to the Share a Story podcast. I'm Darian. And I'm Lorene. And we share stories that empower, uplifts, and heals. I'm really hoping that our listener had just a wonderful time with our last episode. Those stories meant a lot to us. Hopefully they had some meaning with you too. So yeah, how did you think that went last time, Lorene? I definitely enjoyed recording it. It was fun to hear your stories and to think about it, to learn from it. And it's kind of fun going around my day and when I see a story opportunity. Usually I'm just like, oh man, I've got to tell Darian. But it's also nice to be like, that is such a cool story. I have to tell our dear listener about Uh it. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, there's, um, it's interesting. This is, it feels different. Like normally we just tell each other fun stories and now it's like, oh, Maybe I should save that story for when we're recording. Maybe we should. Yeah, but the thing about that is that it isn't as if we stop telling each other stories because we're saving it all. We A million and one stories occur to us every day that we share uh, with each other. Sure. So we still chat a lot, a lot, a lot yeah. throughout the day. Um, yeah. And then the other thing is as I go throughout my my day every day i'm like oh, got to think of a new story got to think of a new story got to find the perfect one for our listener i don't know i don't know if you feel the same way but for me it's like i'm always thinking okay what what is the next story i can no nope, i do not feel that way <laughs> <laughs> but perhaps that is why i'm always like oh darian even right before we we film i'm always like i don't know what story to tell there are too many <laughs> and i have to pick one so you better always go first. That way I can figure out which one. That's why I'm recording. I'm sure they'll get sick of hearing my voice first every time. Well, it won't be every time. I will do better about <laughs> thinking. Of, but no, sometimes I think I'm going to tell this story. But then when we're about to record, I'm like, you know what? It just doesn't feel right to tell that story today. Oh, uh-huh. Uh-huh. And so, yeah. So, yeah. So, all right. Well, the story I want to share with you today is it's actually one that I've shared with you before. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be kind of like last time where I, I share a story, a short story, and then I kind of share how it had meaning to, to a person in my life. And in this case, that person is me. So it's, I'm going to share a story that, I, that had meaning for me. So uh, this story, this first story, it comes from the New Testament. And I think that whether our listener is a Christian or not, they can still enjoy the story. So three days after Jesus Christ had died, he was resurrected, but not all of his followers knew that yet. They, they just thought that he, when he died, oh, that's the end of things and we were wrong and he's not really going to save all of Israel from whatever Israel needs saving from, probably the Romans, right? So, um, I don't know. What do you think about that so far? Okay. Nothing? Well, I'm listening. Okay. So, I mean, this is a story I know already, so I'm just waiting to hear the rest. Even though I've okay. heard it, uh-huh. I, when you were at the storytelling festival, you told it two different ways. And in all honesty, in my head, I'm like, I wonder what's, how he's, like, there's some things, and so, sometimes you keep out some things you put in, and uh-huh. so I'm curious to see how you're going to tell it this time. Yeah. and. Live storytelling is kind of fun um, because you can, you, you can emphasize different details. You can change it a bit here and there every time you tell it. Yeah, and it, especially it depends on 
your experience that specific day and your audience's experience as well. It's just like having a conversation with any friend, right? Yeah. Um, what you emphasize and what you focus on is totally different depending on who you're talking to. Yeah. And when I was thinking about when I... Okay, so for our dear listener, I told this story at a storytelling festival of what? January. Was it January? I thought it was whatever. It was a few months ago. <laughs> and I, I, I recorded it with a, with a camera, but every time I went back and re-listened to it, I, I just felt like I got a few things wrong. So I'm hoping that by telling it today, I, I, I can get it right. Which is interesting as someone who was in the audience. Now, I knew he was going to tell this story doing the storytelling festival, but I did not hear the full story. So I had no idea what he was going to say. So as someone in the audience listening to it, it's it's funny that he was disappointed because it was such good story and everyone in the audience really enjoyed it. I could tell from their comments, from their expressions, and from how attentive they were to your story. Uh So it's interesting to me that you as a storyteller can think you did it wrong (laughs) (laughs) because I felt like each version of it made me think of something or made me understand or realize certain things even though that story occurred to me we're two different people like that's uh-huh. what occurred to us but we're two different people and your perspective of it and mine are very different about it not not very different with just what you get out of it i might have missed or i might have gotten something different and so it's always wonderful to hear a story and i don't see it as wrong as it is the truth of what you experience um, and you're sometimes you tell it how it is coming out. Okay. I'm not sure if that makes sense. Okay. Well, I, I think what I wanted to emphasize that I, I, I feel like I didn't do a good job in the storytelling festival was how big of a change of heart I guess I had. Towards well, a, a specific person. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So. All right. Let's hear you. The rest. <laughs> Okay. All right. So three days after Jesus Christ died, two of his disciples were walking on this road to a city called Emmaus, right? So, and they were talking about kind of everything that happened in Jerusalem, you know, talking about Jesus and, and, and his death. And, and they were sad. And this stranger starts to walk with them. And he says, oh, what, what has you talking that has you so sad? You know, and th- this is me paraphrasing, right? So, you're you're never going to find this in any of the the big major uh bible translations this is just i guess the translation of darian but but they're walking down this road why why are you so sad what what has you talk what are you talking about that has you so sad right and 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 they're like are are you only a stranger here in jerusalem don't you know what's been going on and the stranger goes oh wh- wh- why what 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 things have been going on and and so they start telling him all about jesus and how they thought that he was going to save israel and this stranger, uh, unbeknownst to these two disciples, is actually the resurrected Jesus Christ. Uh, but, but for some reason, their eyes can't see or they're not allowed to see who it is, right? They, they just see him as, as just some bloke, I guess. And so Jesus, he says to them, you guys are 
just doofuses. You, you guys don't understand this whole thing. And then he starts to explain to them from all of like these Old Testament scriptures about how Jesus was supposed to die, how that was all kind of part of the plan. And so they're, they're talking for a while, and it gets to be pretty late. And so these, these two disciples say to this stranger, like, hey, why don't, why don't you come spend some time with us? You know, it's getting late. Let's, let's get something to eat. So they, they get set up and they, they start, you know, getting the food ready. And Jesus, he takes this piece of bread and he, and he breaks it and he blesses it. He you know, says a prayer over it. And during the course of him saying this prayer, these two disciples' eyes are kind of opened, right? And, and they realize who this stranger is. They realize that they know him because it's actually Jesus. And as soon as they realize who it is, he disappears. He's just gone. And so then they, they run back to Jerusalem and they tell all the other uh, disciples of Jesus what, what happened to them, right? And it, it's just a, this interesting thing of them thinking they're just with some guy, not realizing that this guy, like his importance, I guess, you know, realizing who it is. And what, I guess what I wanted to emphasize is, well, okay, actually, I guess I should. Yeah. So... A few years ago, uh, we were really poor, right? And we, we didn't really have good income. I, I had a very, very kind of measly job that didn't really, it didn't pay enough to really take care of us, right? We didn't have a lot of money. We were looking at kind of apartments available and any apartment that was available was probably a good three or $400 above, like e- even the worst ones were like three or four hundred dollars more than what we could really afford. Yeah, the the rental economy had definitely bloomed. Yeah, that and frankly, we just didn't have as much income as we had before. Mm-hmm. Right? We were just in in a, this kind of this personal uh, <laughs> recession, I guess. I don't know what the word <laughs> is, but yeah, we just didn't have as much income. And we spent forever. We looked at everything. It felt like, and there was just nothing in our price range. And so we eventually, so our, uh, we, we were at my parents one day and a friend of theirs came over and kind of overheard us talking about looking for a place. And he happened to have a neighbor that they had this mother-in-law apartment in their basement. Um, it, it was this older couple and uh, they, uh, they were renting out to this couple, the, the man, they were renting out to this man's mother but she had just passed away and so they were looking for somebody else to come in and rent this little mother-in-law apartment so it was it was literally a mother-in-law apartment before we before we moved in anyway so, well I, I guess i spoiled that we moved in well we moved in and uh and and the reason why is because when we asked him how much he was charging for this place he gave us a price that was just drastically cheaper than anything else and we and it was a nice place looked. yeah it, it was it, a it was really nice. nice place and a beautiful neighborhood mm-hmm. i mean it was and close to fab it was a basement so yes it, and uh okay know. anyway so go on yeah <laughs> <laughs> i do not like basement apartments just wanted to say so and this is this is the part that's hard for me to tell because this kind of reveals a lot of my less christian biases i guess i what? Okay, so this this older couple, I kind of thought they were just old and out of touch, 
I, I felt like they were kind of gross. They, they had these animals, and there was poop everywhere in the backyard. And these little old people habits kind of grated on me. We moved in because it was the only option, but we were both focused on moving out as fast as we possibly could. Mm-hmm. Right? Getting to a better financial situation, yes. Yeah. And in addition to this, um, the, the wife of this older couple, she had um, a, mental, a, yeah, a mental disorder. She had bipolar disorder. And for one of your, for your landlady to have bipolar disorder, that kind of presented some unique, we'll call them unique experiences for us during this time. And we, we lived there for two and a half years, right? Okay, so we're there for two and a half years, uh, li- living with this older couple with uh, these animals and bipolar, right? But I do have to say, um, the husband, he, he, was, he was the one who was kind of also like the, the general kind of maintenance guy. So he was our landlord and our maintenance guy. And he was always really prompt with anything we brought to him. Any kind of problems. He was so on top of things. Pro- mm-hmm. Man, probably the best landlord I've ever had. Yeah, but. And not, he, not only was he prompt at fixing anything we, we asked him to, he updated anything just because he's like, I really want you guys to have this. I think this will improve the feel of the place for you. Yeah, like he he was really he really cared about us. He really cared about that space, maintaining it. Um, and the, the okay, yeah. So there was a lot of good there as well, right? But in my head, I was stuck on the fact that they were from the like two or three generations older than us, and I felt like I didn't relate to them. I felt like I was like. The, the, I mean, there was times when when she would just be yelling and screaming her head off and our kids could hear the whole thing. Yeah, her husband, she would scream at her husband, yeah. Yeah, and there was one time when she wanted to call the cops on us because I don't even, I don't even know why. I just know she wanted to call the cops on us because she was in one of her very down moments. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, do you want to tell the story about when she asked you to come visit her up in no no i like you telling it i enjoy <laughs> but, the way you do it but you lived it i'm only telling it secondhand unless you tell it i know but you know how it is for me uh once i have a negative experience and i'm over it it's okay. hard to tell it again it's like it doesn't have okay because i'm i'm over it <laughs> okay i'll tell it and then whatever i get wrong sure you, go ahead you you can fill in the details or correct me okay so uh so she had she she spent she was in and out of hospitals and mental facilities sometimes while mm-hmm, we were there, mm-hmm. and she had just come home from a few days where where they were adjusting her medication or something I think, and we were we were about to go somewhere with the, with you know our our kid our kids and we found out that she wanted you to come visit her, and so we were like okay let's just plan on doing it right before we go somewhere, right you know. So that you have an excuse to get out, right? No, uh, I did not enjoy at the beginning he, her company. Right. But that's that's. I need to emphasize that for this story. Yes, right. I need to emphasize how kind of horrible I was in my head towards them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
I think that's I think that's what I didn't get right. Okay, go ahead. Is is like that, and I don't like to reveal that necessarily. Yeah. But for the sake of this story, I have to. Okay, so we I'm like okay, I'm I'll get the kids in the car. You go say hi to this to to our landlady and visit with her for a couple minutes, and then say okay, we have to go. Bye. Right. And for the most part, that worked out. You were only in there for a few minutes. <laughs> uh, our, okay. Um, for our listener, um, I just want, I wish you could see the face that Lorene just made because it, it was pretty funny. But um, okay, so uh, I'm getting the kids in the car and it, 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 it takes a few minutes. It, it's kind of, she's very chatty. Right, mm-hmm. uh, this this landlady of ours, and I'm very chatty too. So typically, yeah, but well, well, not well. a good combination. But <laughs> <laughs> usually, in this case, I'm usually less chatty because I want to uh-huh. leave. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, so you come back out, and then you explain to me what happened. So, so what I see is you go and knock on their front door. You know, we we kind of we have our own separate entrance, so we kind of go up these stairs, walk around to the front of the house. You knock on the door. I'm getting the kids in the car. Um, I see you go in. I, I think it was it was the husband that had let you in. And then I find out from you, okay, so you go in, and then I find out that she, you, you hear her, right, in the back of the house. And she's like, oh, Lorene, come back here. I'm, I'm, I'm back here. Come visit with me. So you're like, okay. So you go down the hall, and at, at, the, at the end of the hall is the bathroom. The bathroom door's open. Uh, she's in the bathroom and not only is she in the bathroom, she's using the bathroom, mm-hmm. but she doesn't seem to be bothered by this at all. Mm-mm. And she's just chatting with you. Lorene, how are you? How's the family? How's the kids? I'm doing so great. Blah, blah. You know, whatever. Small talk stuff, right? N- nothing too major. While she's sitting on the toilet doing her business. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm completely <laughs> just completely oblivious to the fact that this is not a norm in our society right and you are just wanting to get out of there so badly and you're just but you're polite you've been raised to be polite you're this very polite girl very polite lady um so you're like oh uh-huh yeah um th- things are good um th- this is my voice of you uh-huh yeah <laughs> and you're just like okay i have to go by and you just get out of there as fast as you possibly can right is what is that more or less how it happened Mm -hmm. okay well good i guess i got it right so anyways it it was a very interesting very interesting land lords that landlord and landlady i don't know what you call it anyway so eventually after after like two and a half years i finally start making more money in my in my job and we actually even make enough to qualify to buy a house and so we are you know we we talk to them you know they hey we're we're gonna move we're gonna buy a house i should really mention i i kind of forgot this earlier but when when they told us what they were charging for this place i can't i think we both i i know i thought this but i was just like these guys i thought yeah they didn't know any better yeah we thought these guys have no idea what they could like what this place is really worth they don't know so hopefully they never find out because if they <laughs> find out what they could be charging we couldn't live here anymore we we couldn't afford it and we had nowhere else to go like there was nothing else there was nothing okay so when they had told us what 
they were asking for that place. I, th- I, th- we both thought basically. I we I hope they never find out what the market is asking for places like this because if if they found out what they could be charging, we couldn't have lived there anymore, right? Yeah, we both thought they were telling us the price out of ignorance of the market. Yeah, and... like that they were just like, oh, I guess this sounds like the right price, and they didn't do any research. So while we were in the process of moving, I was talking to him. I was like, hey, you know what? Now that now that we're moving out of here, you might want to know this. You could be charging a whole lot more for this place. And it was not like they had tons of money, right? While we yeah, were living... They were with, a retired couple. They, they were, were a retired couple. Elderly, retired couple. Um, and there was times when we could tell they were really struggling. Like, yeah. maybe not really struggling, but they were definitely not financially comfortable. Uh, yeah, I think because of all the hospital visits and yeah. things like that they had to do. Yeah. So I said, hey, you know what? You could be charging a whole lot more for this place. And he just sort of looked at me with this, I don't know, it was almost like this half smile, like, like, yeah, I know. And he said, well, I know I could have, I know I could have charged more for that place. But when you guys had, had moved in, my, my mom had just died and I just really wanted to help somebody out. And in that moment, I... Well, I don't know. It wasn't really in that moment. It was sort of this realization that happened over the next few days of, here's this guy. I did not like living there while we were living. And it was, there was good parts. Don't get me wrong. We, we loved the neighborhood. Uh, we, we, we loved how prompt he was at fixing. They were so kind. They were so kind. But in, I guess in that, over the next few days, I just had this realization that what I had experienced was the exact same thing that these disciples on the road to Emmaus had experienced 2,000 years ago in the New Testament. It was, it was just this, this moment of, of clarity of my eyes were opened, and I realized that not only was he a pretty decent landlord, like a really good landlord, actually, he was so much more than that. I'm a Christian, you're a Christian, and in general, we are trying to become more like Christ, right? And for two and a half years, we had, we had the privilege of living under the same roof as somebody who was so much more like Christ. Um, and I didn't even realize it during that whole time, but... When I think about that now, I think about what a privilege it was that we lived there for as long as we did, um, and and that we found ourselves in those circumstances. So that's that's why that story has meaning to me. After this, Lorene talks about what it took for her to come to terms with being poor. Hello, dear listener, Darian here. I wanted to talk to you about our Patreon page. If you just think that what we are doing is fantastic and you want to support us in this, you can support the show. That's just a way for you to show us that you're getting something from this podcast. In other words, that what we're doing is meaningful to you, which is, which is really what we wanted to do. You can join our exclusive community of storytellers where we use this community to talk about the craft and the philosophy of storytelling. We help each other make our stories more compelling. We talk about what is and isn't working in our stories. And 
Um, I wanted to tell a little bit of a story about from when I was a little boy today. So my dad, he had this story he would tell in order to add to the intensity of this story. He never told anybody that this was a fiction. He always told it as if it were a nonfiction story that really happened to him. And it was this horror story. So when he was in college, he took a job working in a hospital where he had to move cadavers around. I think this was for the medical students or something. And he talked about how one of these cadavers never decayed and would always turn up in very weird places. And he had this coworker that was really crazy, and it was basically it turned into this really weird, crazy vampire hunt story. And I was a little boy sitting around a campfire when he first told it to me, and I was freaked out. I just could not cope with this scary story about my dad and him hunting a vampire in college. So we were, this was later that night after he had told the story, we were up with a bunch of of friends and everything at, at this campground. It was late and I couldn't sleep and it was just me and my dad in the tent. And I was like, dad, did that really happen? And I think I probably asked him like six or seven times. And then finally he looks at me and he said, no, no, Darian, it didn't really happen. But he told me never to tell anybody. So this is just between you and me, okay, dear listener? Anyways, that was a fun story. It's one of, I think, one of my favorite memories of my dad where where he broke his rule just so that his little boy would feel better and be able to go to sleep that night in the tent. Anyways, join us on Patreon. We would love to see you there. Now, enjoy the rest of the show. So instead of telling a story today, I think I'm just gonna. Well, hold on. I mean, no, it's about your story. I oh, instead of telling a story, today, I thought you were just gonna be like, okay, we're doing... on to the next thing. <laughs> no. <laughs> so in te- instead of telling a story today, I really just want to talk about your story. To be honest with you, because okay, I kind of rambled on, so that's probably probably long enough anyways i don't know (laughs) well no it was a good story so when you told me you were gonna make a story and share it at the storytelling festival um in our city i and and you were gonna tell that specific story it was very difficult for me here's why so i grew up in a home well where it was important to keep up appearances in a way right and talking about any kind of difficulty you're having mentally financially familiarly or any of those yeah. is a no-no I, I and i've noticed that especially financially oh yeah so when you wanted to divulge that we ha- went into some kind of financial difficulty it was i had a hard time with it I had a hard time where I had to say, like, where it appeared that I was less than or where it appeared that I felt. (laughs) That's what it is. You do not share your failures with people. 
Mm-hmm. Like you just have this appearance of I'm succeeding at life. Yeah, exactly. And exactly. And and it was interesting because in my family, when you fell, you get made fun of. <laughs> <laughs> There's typically not a lot of compassion, I feel, in that you get made fun of when you fell at things. And so you learn either not to fail or not to share that you fell. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, uh, I, I tripped. I meant to do that. <laughs> I didn't I didn't fail at walking. <laughs> but, um, I, I remember when we had first moved into that place. Yeah, yeah I, I remember certain comments from from some of your family about about that. And it, yeah, the, I, I think I think we were looked down on. Oh, very much so. Bit, very so. much so. And I still and uh, it was one of the things I learned while living there was <clears throat> not caring what people think. I still do okay. sometimes, but it was it was really, really good at not caring what people think because I knew what kind of life we were building for. I knew what kind of path we were taking, and I knew why we were on that path. Mm-hmm. But it was still a very hard journey. And so... um. So it was interesting when I got to the point where I'm like, babe, that's a great story. I don't think I ever said, that's not a good story or anything. I was like, oh, okay. That, I think that's all I said at mm-hmm. first when you were sharing but, that. But inside you were like, ah, I'm being exposed for, for not having, I don't know. I, wh- yeah, well inside, well, inside I was just thinking about it. Because obviously I tell you everything and my thoughts. You're like my inner inner monologue come out to have an outer monologue, sure. it feels like. Because yeah. I, I sometimes like, feel like, like we're you, the same people. But You're very comfortable sharing what you're thinking with me. Of course, like completely. But I, I was trying to figure out why I wasn't quite settled about your story. And it t- took me a bit to realize that that's what it was. Um. Of course, it's something you notice always how I'm it's interesting because people always think I'm very open, but Uh I'm actually quite private about many things. And the things I share, it's because I don't care about it. I don't care. I I, it doesn't profoundly affect me enough that if you say something negative about it, I'm going to be destroyed typically. Although I never like sure, and I think that in general is probably a learned behavior by ninety nine percent of the population. I think so, yes. But what I'm saying is that people usually say to me like, "Wow, you're so open," (laughs) and stuff like that. I'm like, "Oh, I am, huh?" (laughs) But um, I've always wanted to be an open person. I just uh, had too much pride. And too much things around guilt, shame, and stuff like that to share certain things. Mm-hmm. Anyways, so uh, the reason I'm mentioning that is that as I listened to the story, I also reflected back on how I felt when I knew you were going to share that story for the first time or when you actually shared it with others outside of the festival for the first time. And just thinking about how I felt then and how I felt now about it. And um, 
honestly, it's, it was seeing how much growth I have experienced. Uh, because your storytelling of that story uh-huh. <laughs> helped me to grow because I had to confront the fact that I had so much pride when it comes to to money to to money image yeah we had given up my lucrative career so we could pursue other things and uh-huh. that meant starting at the bottom and yeah. rising up to the top and so sure. for me it was a choice versus like we have no other options this is the only thing we can do and so we're just going to be poor and that's funny because like the way that i usually phrase it is we were stuck like we had to do this and the reason i think that is because well it's a given that we were working on other things it's a given that we were trying to uh improve our situation and trying our best Uh, to me it's like sometimes okay and and just for so that our listener knows uh when I was growing up, my dad was in an industry that was very, very cyclical, I guess. When the economy was good, he had a great job. Uh, but when the economy was bad, he often got laid off. There, there was times when he didn't work uh, for sometimes over a year at a time. And there was times when we had to depend on um, some side gigs he could get as a carpenter. Or, uh, and and that's not his main career. That's just a hobby. But at the same time, my parents were always driven. They were always, uh, working on building a beautiful home for us, building a beautiful life for us, uh, working on making sure they had savings, working on making sure that financially they were in a good spot. So for me, going through times of scarcity, there's no shame in it it just happens sometimes so maybe that's yeah why it's so different yeah and for me i grew up with a background where if you were especially if you were giving all this opportunity and you uh-huh. failed then there's something with you and you and i have had many good opportunities i've had many uh-huh. great opportunities and i had a very good job and um and i gave it up for other things which required that kind of sacrifice but it was hard it was hard to be seen as a in a certain way or what i per- perceived of the way i was seen or we were seen okay so so like public image was a very very core thing to you and your family growing up yes yes very much so i think you probably know from my family that public image is not our highest priority (laughs) no it's not (laughs) well i don't know or or like i I, we you guys are very comfortable in your own skins and you believe that you should do what makes you happy and you don't care what other people think about it that's and that's i feel like that's not entirely true um because I think a lot of my family still cares about self-image, but they don't, they, they want to be seen as like the counter to the norm a lot of the time. Like, like the self-image they care about is looking different. That's very true. 
Yeah. So. At, or at least I, I wonder what they'll say when they listen to this. I don't I'd know. love to have their feedback. <laughs> <laughs> um, just, uh, just very different. But it is such a good, powerful story you told because I love that couple. And when we first moved in, yes, it was kind of startling. I've never lived close to or known many people with a uh, mental illness. Um, and, you know, it helped me develop so much compassion. Because, yeah, one moment I would hear her screaming and, oh, my goodness, I'm getting emotional. And the next moment I would hear her crying. And um, there were times we would talk and she would express her frustration with her disease. Her frustration that she could not have a stable emotion or she would get paranoid or any of those things. And how much in her life that has affected her. And she didn't even know that's what she had until... She had been married for a while and uh, and they were having such a hard time. And she yeah. finally found out this is what it is, and, and which is great to find it. But so much of her life had spent feeling this way and feeling frustration at herself for feeling this way and she could not control it. Yeah. Um, and, and, and so they were such good people. And yeah. I developed I mean, so much compassion because of it. And so and hearing your story, it's good to see where we started and where, where we ended up. Yeah. Um, for, for me, it was a very humbling experience because, I mean, I hope I emphasized in this story how Christ-like these people actually are and that we didn't see it, that we I don't even think we had the ability to see that until we went through what we did, but the financial difficulty. Yeah. And I think that being in such a low place and then having somebody reach down their hand and hold on to us and pull us back up. That's to me, that's exactly what Christ does. Mm -hmm. So it's amazing to me, the story doesn't even make sense unless it shows we were in a hole and somebody needed to pull us out. Mm-hmm. So, to me, that's an important part of it. Mm-hmm. One of the things that we both believe about stories about ourselves, like when we share stories about ourselves, in order for them to mean the most, we kind of have to expose our vulnerabilities, right? Mm-hmm. And I have a hard time with that. Well, it's, everybody does, right? Yeah. That's yeah. It's... That's why stories are. Amazing. Yeah. Like the good stories, at least, are always amazing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Ho- I don't know. Ho- I hope this meant something to you, to, to, to you, our listener. Does this remind you of anything? Is there anything that you... Any stories in your yeah. life? Any stories you went through, you saw somebody go through uh, when you realized... Somebody wasn't what you first thought they were, uh, anything like that. Let us know. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just thinking about, I feel like going through that experience, but not only going through that experience, because (laughs) if you remember when we, um, when we first moved there, uh, I refuse to tell people where I lived. <laughs> like, again, it wasn't a bad place, but I refuse to tell people I lived in a basement. And uh, 
and when family members like who came or wanted to come to visit us i would have to finally tell them where and they're like we just couldn't believe it you live in a basement <laughs> apartment we just we don't understand yeah. what's going on um well i to me i i i think the best way what i take away from this story is being more careful about how i perceive other people like re- trying to trying to remember that even if i don't see someone's most amazing parts they're still there to me it's it's realizing i guess the divinity that we have the, the fact that we are all sons or daughters of god and and not just saying that um but really realizing that that's i guess to me that's what the story was was to me is realizing what people can have in them that we don't see at first and for me when i hear that story i just think about how important it is to let go of your pride because you miss so much mm-hmm. that makes of sense. what's going on around you that being vulnerable or being open about either your situation or what you're going through or whatever it is allows you a lot more freedom to perceive things around you and allows you to be a lot more compassionate because one of the things this couple told at least me uh, at some point when I was talking either to the husband or the wife was we've been there we remember what it felt like and we we want to we wanted we want to help mm-hmm. and the way we would have liked help when we were at that point yeah and it's they they weren't they didn't need to say that they could have not just been very um they could have just allowed us to perceive them a certain way but instead they shared that because they wanted to help us to understand hey this is where we were and this is now where we are we're in a way better situation than we were right now and and um, they were in a better situation than they were, that the road gets better. And you can't do that when you're so full of pride that you want to seen as someone who's never failed, supposedly, right? That's not, I, I don't think it's a failure, but, but as someone who's never lacked or is perceived as always being at the top. I don't know how to say that. And I realized that um, that if I want to truly help people in my life, I have to be okay with being like, hey, let me share with you how I was in your situation and how things got better. Or let me share with you what I learned at this point. And it's something I still struggle with. I've gotten better at it, but I still struggle with it. But... I've been helped so much by those who are willing to say, hey, I was there, but things got better. Next time on the Share a Story podcast. So today I want to talk about one of my favorite, favorite, favorite stories. Okay. Which is Jane Eyre. 
despite everyone telling her who she should be and how she should be she is always just herself she will not just lie down and take it like like am i imagining like my jane's not here my jane's gone she's not here and and then he finds out she's there for real and he is just like i don't care that you wanted to leave me I cared that you left in the middle of the night with nothing and I had no idea. She gave my friend Remember Me and she gave me Jane Eyre and I was so disappointed. And my friend was so okay. disappointed. <laughs> okay. So then we switched back, we had our original books and we each fell in love with our own books even more. <laughs> We're like, <laughs> we'll keep our own. <laughs> I want to look forward to being an adult and I want to look forward to living life and I don't want to think that horrible things are around each corner yes sad and hard things happen as portrayed on Jane Eyre uh-huh. but that uh-huh. doesn't mean one you have to take it lying down two you have to let your situation define you or three that you cannot seek happiness 